Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week we read Parashat Dvarim, which is the first parasha in Sefer Dvarim, in the book of Dvarim. And by this point, all of the Jewish world have been uh, caught up with each other. Uh, we're all reading the same parasha, which was uh, not the case for a whole three months, but now we're all together, and in this way, we'll all be reading Parashat Devarim, which uh, one of the constants of the of our calendar is that Parashat Devarim is to be read on the Shabbat before the fast of Tisha B'Av, and we'll talk about why that is so uh, as we discuss this Parashat. First, a word or two about the Book of Devarim. Book of Devarim is the the last book of the Torah, but its main theme is uh, Moshe addresses B'nai Yisrael uh, in the days leading up to his death. And as we'll see, the Book of Devarim uh, can be regarded as divided into three addresses, three uh, lengthy shiurim, that he uh, delivers to the people. Uh, and each one of the addresses uh, has a mixture of uh, events from the past and mitzvot, but primarily uh, each one of these addresses has a central idea. And the first address, which begins at the beginning of uh, the Book of Devarim, the first address is a historic review uh, and lessons to be learned. Moshe is not uh, functioning here as a historian, but rather he is using what has happened to the people uh, over the past years in order to learn from the past and, of course, to learn how to be better in the future. So the Sefer uh, uh, Devarim, as well as Parashat Devarim, begins with an introduction that says... uh, that Moshe is about to address B'nai Yisrael. It says exactly where B'nai Yisrael are encamped. They're encamped uh, on the eastern side of the Yardin, the Jordan River. It says exactly where they are. And uh, Moshe begins his first address on the first day of the 11th month of the Jewish calendar. That's the month that we call uh, Shavat. And uh, this gives us uh, an idea uh, of how long the book of Dvarim is uh, meant to, to be, because it begins on the first day of Shabbat, and the end of the book of Dvarim is the death of Moshe, and we uh, we know, we can derive from reading Psukim in uh, the book of Yehoshua, that Moshe dies on the seventh day of Adar, which is the next month. So that means that the whole book of Dvarim is delivered over a period of 37 days. So Moshe begins to speak, and this is uh, in the 40th year, towards the very end of that year, where Moshe addresses the people. And he... He mentions that, uh, that he is going to talk about the past... Uh, years that they were spent uh, spending in the uh, in the desert, uh, and he's talking primarily about traversing from from Sinai 
to uh, Kadesh. Uh, and that was uh, 39 years uh, before. Moshe begins his story not with uh, Yitzhak Mitzrayim, uh, and not even with the giving of the Torah at Sinai. We'll talk about that later. Uh, the part of the story that he wants to start off with now is when Hashem told Bnei Yisrael that it is time to travel to the land of Israel. That means that they were at Sinai, they had been at Sinai for uh, for a year, and they had received the Torah, they built the Mishkan, and once they were completely organized as a people, as a camp, uh, Hashem tells Moshe to tell the people it is time to begin the, to travel to Israel. Moshe, at that time, uh, asked for assistance in leading the people. He says he's not capable of leading the people uh, alone. Baruch Hashem, the people have multiplied, and he needs uh, assistance. And it's at this point, says Moshe, that a whole system of judges was put into place. Uh, This complements the discussion about judges that we have elsewhere in the Torah, where certain aspects of the judges uh, are recommended by uh, Moshe's uh, father-in-law, Yitro, but here Moshe talks about the system of judges <coughs> and leaders to help him uh, in, his, in leading. Uh, as they come to uh, Kadesh, which is essentially the uh, just outside of the land of Israel, Moshe reports that the people asked for spies. They asked uh, for people to be sent Uh, ahead in order to see what kind of a land it is and to bring back uh, a report. From this we see that um, when we learned about the spies earlier in the Torah uh, in in sequence uh, it sounded like Hashem was commanding them to uh, send scouts uh, but from here we see that in actuality it was the people that wanted it and Hashem uh, allows them to do it. When he says to send, he gives permission. Uh, although Hashem uh, w- would say that uh, they really don't need them because Hashem assures them what kind of a, uh, a beautiful land it's going to be. Nevertheless, uh, they're allowed to, to do this. Uh, and so they send uh, spies and they come back, as we know, with a very disheartening report. Uh, Ten out of the twelve spies have, uh, have a, a report that says they're not going to be able to conquer the land. And the people lose hope, they lose confidence in themselves, and, um, and they rebel. Uh, and they, they're warned uh, repeatedly uh, not to rebel against the will of Hashem. Nevertheless, <coughs> they rebel, and um, this, is, uh, this is a terrible, terrible sin. Um, and so, as a result of this, uh, the decree was uh, was passed. Hashem issues the decree that the entire generation, um, with the exception of Yehoshua and Kalev, the two spies who came back with a positive report, but with the exception of them, all the rest of the generation would die out in the wilderness. That means that they would be in the wilderness for a total of 40 years. And this decree, says Moshe at this time, even affected him, uh, showing that the... Uh, that the seeds of Hashem's displeasure with Moshe uh, really were sown uh, way back, uh, way back here. So Moshe starts with this part of the story, uh, the story of the Maraglim, because it explains why they've been in the desert, in the in the wilderness for so long. 
it's because of this uh, of this event. Then he will deal with other earlier uh, events, uh, but he's starting now at this point, uh, talking about the reason for having been in the Midbar for so very long. And uh, according to our Masora, the the day or the night on which the spies returned and caused the people to cry and to lose hope and the decree was made, that was Tisha B'Av. And this is the reason, or this is at least one reason, why Devarim, this parasha, is always read on the Shabbat before Tisha B'Av, because we need to think about, we need Cheshvon HaNefesh, introspection, uh, as to what brought us to, uh, to this point. Uh, what brought us to have the uh, temple uh, destroyed later on, both uh, both uh, Bate Mikdash uh, destroyed. Uh, the, the seeds of it, the origin of it, is in the, uh, the sin of the spies. Uh, after the decree was uh, was uh, issued, uh, the people seemed to say, "We've learned our lesson. Uh, we need to uh, we need to go into the land," as uh, Hashem originally said. Um, but Hashem was uh, was not with them; did not allow them to uh, to go to go in, or he did not approve of that. And therefore, when they tried to ascend into the land, they were rebuffed by the local uh, by the local people. Uh, talk about a place called Horma, and they cried, and uh, Hashem would not uh, change the decree, and therefore they had to make uh, make the turn and go uh, uh, into. Uh, back into the wilderness, um, and as they were uh, as they were traveling, uh, they had to travel around um, Har Seir, which is the place where uh, Esau lived. So, uh, what Moshe uh, is is doing at this point is he's uh, really skipping over um, the years that they were in the Midbar. He explains why they were in the wilderness. Um, but at the end of the time that they were in the wilderness, they found themselves once again making the approach uh, to, uh, to Eretz Yisrael. This is a new generation, nearly 40 years later, and uh, it's time for them to uh, enter. And as they, they are traveling around uh, Mount Seir, which is the place that, uh, that the nation of uh, Edom lives, Moshe... Uh, in a very uh, brief way, uh, recounts the recent encounters uh, with the nations that live to the east, uh, not in Eretz Israel, but to the east. And that was all during the 40th year. It's uh, in recent memory. Um, he also provides some background information about uh, each of the nations. He talks about Edom, and uh, he explains uh, that uh, when you encountered Edom, um, Edom would not allow you to pass through their land uh, in order to approach Eretz Yisrael. But Hashem said that uh, you were not to uh, uh, to provoke Edom to uh, to battle uh, because Edom is going to retain their land uh, certainly for the time being. Remember that Edom is is uh, from Esav and Esav is a grandson of Abraham, uh, and therefore on a certain level. At least for the time being, they deserve to keep their land. Um, they had not, <coughs> they had not uh, done anything to harm Israel. They just said, "No, you can't go through." Uh, so that was more or less the encounter with uh, with Edom. 
and Moshe makes reference to other encounters, uh, how they dealt with uh, with Moab uh, and Ammon, both of whom are descendants of uh, of Lot, uh, and how uh, wars were f- were fought uh, against uh, Ammon, not so much against uh, Moab, uh, but also, as Moshe points out, uh, f- there were wars against Sihon and Og. Uh, and uh, as well as in the region of Gilad, uh, and all of that was in the region of the uh, of the Amorites. Um, that all of that territory uh, came uh, into the possession of uh, of Bnei Israel, uh, especially the territory that they had captured from Sichon and Og. Uh, time and time again, they they wanted to pass through. Uh, the local people said no, and so um, uh, and so they uh, they fought, and Israel took over that uh, that territory. And uh, again, Moshe gives some background information how th- these various uh, lands came into the possession of uh, these uh, peoples, uh, such that uh, Israel could then uh, conquer them away. Um, Hashem reminds them time and time again not to be afraid uh, because Hashem is going to be with them in their, uh, in their battles. Uh, Moshe says how he gave instructions to the tribes of Gad and Reuven. Those are the tribes that wanted the territory to the east of the Jordan, the, uh, the area that had formerly been uh, under the control of Sichon and Og. Uh, they wanted that for themselves. Um, and also, um, uh, also to uh, the half tribe of, of Menashe, uh, about uh, this about this territory, uh, that they had to uh, make a, a commitment. And again, this is also in recent memory. They had to make a commitment that uh, they would fight together with the other tribes uh, in the conquest of the land and only after that only after the land to the west of the Jordan uh, would be conquered and divided up then uh, God, Ruvain and uh, half of Menashe um, would uh, would take the land to the east of the Jordan as their uh, as their territory the very end of the parasha um, Moshe uh, repeats this, or gives these instructions to Yehoshua, saying that uh, you must follow through on these commitments that uh, God, Ruvain, and uh, half Menashe have made, because it will come to pass during the tenure, during the uh, leadership of Yehoshua himself, and indeed in the book of Yehoshua, towards the end of Yehoshua, uh, we're were taught exactly uh, how uh, this was was done when the time came. Uh, I want to return to the beginning of the parasha, uh, which gives us another uh, aspect of why this parasha is always read uh, before Tisha B'Av. Uh, very early in the parasha, when Moshe says that he needed uh, others to help him lead, he needed judges to help him lead, he says, 
השם אלוקי אבותיכם יוסף עליכם ככם אלף פעמים, may Hashem, God of your fathers, increase your numbers a thousand fold. He's saying that uh, I, it's difficult for me to lead all of you because there are so many of them, but I give you a bracha that you continue to, uh, that you continue to increase. Um, May he bless you, as he has spoken to you. But, how can I bear by myself, unaided? Your, uh, your, your trouble, your burden, your bickering, uh, you're a difficult people. Uh, at the same time that Moshe is saying, it's very good that there are many of you, and uh, may you continue to be even more, uh, but it's difficult. And Moshe uses the word, Eicha. The custom is that when we come up to this uh, pasuk, the uh, melody of the Torah reading uh, changes uh, to the melody that we use uh, on Tisha B'Av for Echa, for the book of Echa, also known as the book of Kinot, of Lamentations, uh, which, uh, which mourns over uh, the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. And it's significant that Moshe uses this word, Echa, how? Uh, in the beginning of the Midrash that deals with Echa, Echa Rabbah, the Midrash takes note of the fact that Moshe is one of three Nevi'im who prophesy using the word Echa. There is Moshe. Later on there is Yishaya, uh, who uses the word Echa. And there is Yirmiyah, who is uh, the, the author of, uh, of the book of Eicha, the book of Keynote Lamentations. Uh, Moshe is the one who says Eicha uh, in this verse. How can I carry uh, them alone? Yeshaya, Isaiah, who lived before the destruction of the temple, but warned B'nai Yisrael that uh, if they continue in their way, uh, they would be... Uh, they would be exiled and the temple would be destroyed. He also uses the word Echa, um, and he uses it uh, in the first chapter of Yeshaya, which is the chapter that uh, we uh, that we read uh, as the Haftarah for the Shabbat before uh, before Tisha B'Av. Uh, Which is, that, that's why it's known as uh, Shabbat Chazon, because the Haftarah begins with uh, Chazon Yishayahu, the vision of Yishayahu, but in the course of that, he, uh, he complains, he, how is it possible that this, uh, this city of Jerusalem uh, has uh, come to behave uh, like, a, uh, like a zona, like a prostitute. And then, uh, <coughs> Yirmiyahu, uh, the author of... Uh, the book of Echa uses the word Echa several times. The book begins with the word Echa. Echa Yashvav Adad. How is it possible that the city that was once so full of people has is now sitting alone? And actually, the word Echa is at the beginning of, uh, of more than one chapter in the book of uh, of Echa. So in the Midrash, Rabbi Levi compares this use of uh, Echa by three different prophets. Um, to the situation of a, a noble woman uh, who went through some uh, some terrible times. Um, 
and she started off as being uh, noble and, uh, and and wealthy and successful, uh, but then uh, her morality declined, and in the end, she was uh, she was uh, she was suffering. So she has three different friends, and each one of them says to her, "How could how could this be?" When uh, when she was living in tranquility and wealth, then that friend said to her, uh, "How amazing is uh, is the life that you are living right now?" So in a sense, that's the spirit of what Moshe is saying. How uh, how numerous uh, you are? Yes, it's true. It's difficult to deal with you, but uh, let's uh, appreciate the fact that God has blessed you, uh, and you are a numerous people. Uh, Isaiah is like the uh, Yeshaya is like the friend who knew the noble woman during the time when she was being reckless, when she was uh, misbehaving, and Yeshaya is the one um, is the prophet who warns her that uh, how could you uh, allow yourself to uh, go into such a uh, moral uh, decline? And then finally, Yirmiyahu, who actually saw uh, the destruction of the temple, says. How could it? How could it be? How could this uh, have happened? Uh, that this uh, city that was once so populous uh, is now uh, alone. So, in the same way as the, the the noble woman goes through these three phases, and three different friends point out uh, where she is in her life. Uh, similarly, the Jewish people, one Jewish people, go through these various changes, and each one of these neviim uses the same word. Uh, but with a very, very different tone. Moshe's uh, tone of Echa is how wonderful uh, you are uh, as, as a populous people. Uh, Yeshaya's tone is how can you allow yourself to, uh, to decline in this way? And Yirmiyahu uh, mourns over what has been lost. Is how is it possible that we've come to such a point? Uh, and that's that is why the same word, Echa, can be used not only by three different Nevi'im, but in three very different contexts. Uh, and, uh, and during the course of Shabbat, we read uh, the, book of Dvar, the beginning of the book of Dvarim, where Moshe is the speaker. Uh, in the Haftarah, we, uh, we read the prophecy of Yeshaya, and he is the second of these Nevi'im. And then after Shabbat, uh, when we read Eicha, uh, written by Yirmiyahu, we have the third of these Nevi'im who speak to Israel. Uh, what's important for us is, uh, of course, to, to mourn what we have lost, but also to learn from that uh, so as uh, to try to bring about a change, uh, to bring about uh, Mashiach, uh, which we pray for. I thank you very much for joining me for Parasha Highlights and Insights. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher saying Shalom.